Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. God speaks to you that you're open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I hope that you have a palm in your hand. Does everybody have a palm? It's important stuff this morning. Uh, It's interesting to reflect on those who were there when Jesus was marching into Jerusalem and they raised their palms and they proclaimed Him Lord and, and, and it looked like everything was exciting. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Man, things were happening and things they believed were going to be different. The Romans were going to be overthrown. The king was going to be on the throne. Life would be good again. Oh, how different it was. We've been looking in the Gospel of John, and we've been working through this last half of the Gospel as John shares his understanding and, and, and his experience through Jesus' uh, uh, triumphal entry all the way to this morning's passage. So I'm going to ask you to look with me, if you would, in the Gospel of John. We're looking at chapter 19. And we're dealing with just a couple verses here, but very, very important verses. Jesus has appeared before Pilate, and finally Pilate, the Roman government the governor who uh, had, had given uh, a sentence uh, reluctantly um, to have Jesus crucified. And in verse 16, finally Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him. And with him two others. One on each side. And Jesus, Jesus in the middle. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. You've just heard this week's focus scripture. Now on to the sermon, starting momentarily. I've uh, been traveling through this season of Lent. I hope that you've been able to go with us, and we have made our journey. And um, hopefully, you have seen the love of Jesus at each place we have stopped. We, we just a quick reminder: we stopped at the tomb of Lazarus. And we saw how Lazarus was set free and Jesus offers to set us free. We stopped at the donkey pen, you may remember. We we stopped there uh, because we we wanted to do something for Jesus and realized that when we got out of the chaos, we could find his peace. And we welcome you this morning to the donkey pen. That doesn't say who we are. That says that we're here um, to, to step back and get a different view of our lives. Uh, we went to the upper room, and at the upper room we saw Jesus and experienced Jesus washing our feet and just reminded ourselves that, that that's really what Christian life is about, humbly serving one another. And then, and then we went from there to the olive grove, and you remember uh, we discovered Jesus' power in the olive grove. And how powerful his love was, especially for his disciples. He made sure that his disciples 
were taken care of. Even in that moment when he was being arrested, he was in control. And he wanted to make sure his disciples were okay. And, and then last week, uh, we went to the courtyard of public opinion. And, and we realized that if we're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, there are going to be times when we'll be challenged to stand for him against the crowd, against um, the voices of this world. And so this morning, um, now that you all look like you're about ready to fall asleep, uh, this morning we... We almost come, I want to say almost come, to the end of our journey. Um, Because we've made it through all of these places. And through that last week of Jesus' life, we begin to see the fickleness of the crowd. Uh, You you all have your palms, and and you remember that Sunday, this Sunday, uh, that we remember, Palm Sunday, when Jesus is marching into Jerusalem, and all, all the crowd had their palms, and they're waving their palms, and they're shouting, Hosanna, save us, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're all excited, they're celebrating, they're laughing, they're, they're excited about what's going to happen, and the energy is building as he marches into Jerusalem. And, and you may remember when we talked about the donkey pen, there was that video of, of those differing feelings as he marched into Jerusalem. You saw the soldiers and the concern on the faces of the religious leaders, and, and yet the excitement of the disciples and, and all that was going on as he marched into Jerusalem. That was Sunday. By Friday, the crowd is shouting, Crucify Him. Crucify Him. And we, we wonder how from Sunday to Friday things could change so much. How, how could this crowd that proclaimed Him King within four days or five, depending on how you count them, within, within that short of period of time, all of a sudden they're calling out for His crucifixion. How could that happen so quickly? I ask myself until Monday morning comes. You see, when I'm here with you all, and that's southern for all of you, I'm trying to be inclusive this morning. Uh, I, I'm here with you, and, and we're excited because we've seen God do incredible things. Uh, Vicki Bendig is a miracle. And uh, my understanding is that there was a possibility that she would come home yesterday from the hospital. Uh, an aneurysm burst in, his, in her carotid artery um, and put brand, blood all th- in, into her cranium into her uh, uh, brain, and, and miraculously, uh, she was able to call 911, she was able to get to the hospital, she was able to be treated, and she has no, none, zero, zero effects. Uh, yeah, praise God. And so this morning, praise God, but tomorrow morning, when you get to work, and the boss is not happy. Or you are the boss and the workers aren't happy. Or, or perhaps you, you get to work in the morning and, and you discover that the things you did last week have all fallen apart. 
Or, or perhaps tomorrow morning you, you, you get to a place where you think, um, finally I understand what this silly professor is trying to tell me. And you get to class and he starts in or she starts in with something totally different and you just want to bang your head up against the wall. What are they talking about? You see, it's okay when we're with the crowd. On Monday morning, Jesus calls us to be disciples. Not just the crowd. The crowd is fickle. They cry out, Hosanna. Then they cry out, crucify Him. Through it all. They're back and forth and back and forth. You ever feel that way in your spiritual life? One day you're, yeah, Jesus. The next day you're like, what's going on, Jesus? Why? How's come? Is that real words? How's come? (laughs) We used to say that all the time. Oh, Mark likes it. We're good. (laughs) Um, Why do things change so quickly? The interesting thing is that through it all, Jesus has resolutely followed the path to the cross. You see, His love for you, listen very carefully, His love for you does not depend on your response. Did you know that? No matter which way you respond, you shout Hosanna or you shout crucify Him, Jesus still loves you Either way. I may not. No. (laughs) He calls me to. But He will love you either. You see, on Monday morning when everything falls apart and you start saying, God, I don't get it, remember that He still loves you. He was resolute. He didn't stop and say, well, if that's the way you feel about it, I'll just wipe you all out and go home. No. No. He said, I love you. So he headed to the cross. I think it's interesting in our passage this morning. It says, Pilate handed him over and the soldiers took charge of him. Never forget that when they took charge of him, it was because he willingly gave himself to them. They didn't take charge of him because they had more power than he. We learned that at, in the, in the um, olive grove, right? He willingly did that. Because you see, there's something about love. You can't force love on somebody. Did you know that? You ever try to do that? You try to make somebody love you? I'm going to make them love me. And I, I watch couples do this every once in a while. Uh, they're going to prove that, that they can make that person love them. And so they jump through hoops and they do this and they do that. And, and, you know, and in the end, that person still doesn't love them any more than they did before. You can't make somebody love you. Jesus understood that. He couldn't make you love Him. But He could do all He could to show you that He loved you. And He walked to the cross. And that will never change. So this morning, we walk to the cross. And it's a difficult journey. 
It's a journey that starts, by the way, with uh, Jesus carrying the cross. Jesus carries the cross. Now, this is kind of unique in a way. Uh, It wasn't unique for crucifixions, except for the fact that Jesus had been beaten severely before the crucifixion. You may remember, Pilate tried to appease the crowd. He thought maybe if he had Jesus whipped, then they would let, let up and allow him to let Jesus go free. He knew Jesus was innocent. He knew there was no reason that Jesus should be crucified. And so he tried to, to get around it by having Jesus beaten. And all that did was make Jesus more severely hurt. made the journey even more difficult. And they placed, and I know this image has the whole cross, but most likely they simply placed the cross beam. Usually the the upright beam was already in the ground and they would uh, take the cross beam and, and nail the hands to the cross beam and then lift it up onto the, the beam that was already mounted in the ground. And Jesus carried, carried that cross. And what's amazing about that is when the prophet Isaiah began to see that thousands of years before Jesus was crucified, what he saw was not Jesus just hurting. Oh man, it's missing. In Isaiah 53, I'm sorry, I wanted it up there. Um, In Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6, we read, Surely, surely He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. We considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. You see, as Jesus carried that cross, he carried it not because he was guilty but because we were guilty. He carried it not because he had sorrow that he could not overcome, but he carried it because we have sorrow that we cannot overcome. He carried it not because he was physically sick, because he could not heal, but he carried it in order that he might heal. You see, that's what love does. Love carries another's burdens, does it not? When Jesus carried that cross, He carried it not for His own guilt, but for ours. He carried it not for His own shortcomings, but for ours. He carried it not because He couldn't overcome the physical struggles of this world, but because we can't. And so for us, He carried that cross. As He walked along, I believe that what was in His heart and in His mind was you and me. That's how much He loves us. 
And as he died on that cross, he died so that we could be forgiven. He died so that we could know love. He died so that we could be healed. It wasn't about him. He carried that cross. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, he calls us to be his disciples, to follow him. As a matter of fact, he tells us to do what? Take up our cross. In other words, he calls us to bear one another's burdens, to care for one another, to encourage one another. What's interesting is we want to carry the palm. We don't want to carry the cross. We want to, we want to shout Hosanna, talk about how great it is. He's the king, wave the palm, have the parade, have the party, enjoy. Jesus says, take up your cross. Oh, by the way, if you carry a cross, where's it end? Yeah, ends in death. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, but that they lay down their life for another. You see, what Jesus calls us to do is to follow him to the cross. And when he calls us to follow him to the cross, he calls us to truly love one another like he loves us. And that love is a self-sacrificing love. That love is a love that's willing to bear one another's burdens, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. I, uh, we have lost a great prayer warrior in this congregation. Barb LeVan prayed for everybody. I know because I have her prayer journal. I haven't given it back yet. I don't want to. <laughs> I will, but I don't want to. She prayed for all of you. It must have taken her a couple hours a day to pray because I looked through who she prayed for each and every day. She understood that if we're really going to be disciples of Jesus, then we have to bear one another's burdens. We have to pray for one another. We have to encourage one another. When someone's missing, who Follows up. Who tries to figure out what happened to them? Do you? Oh, no, I don't know. Maybe they went to second service. Or, hey, may, you know, maybe it was just a bad day. Or maybe, uh, did you call them? Did you ask? Or are you too busy? The truth of the matter is that Jesus has laid upon us the walk to the cross. And that means we carry the cross. Second thing I want you to see in this passage, very important. The cross is on Golgotha. Now, we don't, we don't usually make a big deal about that, um, but, but it's very important to remember that, that this is a, an image of, of the hill that they believe is, is Golgotha outside of Jerusalem. And you may notice it, it looks somewhat like a skull. Um, and so that's why they believed they called it Golgotha. The word Golgotha means the skull, the place of the skull. And it's upon the skull that the cross is erected. Now that's important. You say, well, why would that be important? Well, the truth, the truth is that when Jesus plants his cross, he plants it on your head. That's where it belongs. 
Because you see, when Jesus comes into your life, uh, this place becomes a place of judgment and a place of decision. And where do you, where are you able to pass judgment and make decisions? It happens up here. The Apostle Paul understood this. Um, and that passage isn't going to come up either. I can't believe it. Click on that again, would you, Isaiah? I think it'll be there. Nope, won't do it. The other one. Okay. The Apostle Paul said, Be transformed. He, well, he starts out, Romans 12 too, right? Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, thank you. Thank you very much. There it is. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, Christianity isn't just about what you, well, it isn't about what you do. It's about what you think. It's about changing your mind. When you change your mind, then what you do begins to change automatically. We've got it all backwards. We try to change the way we do, thinking that if we do this differently, then we will love. The truth of the matter is, you really want to love, you have to change your mind. You have to realize, first of all, you have to believe that Jesus loves you. If you really want to love someone, you have to believe that Jesus loves you. That's something you do with your mind. A lot of Christians have left their mind at the door thinking, well, you know, there are certain things that, that you know, I, I'm not sure about, so I'm going to leave my mind at the door and just let, let Jesus deal with the rest of me. Well, it doesn't work that way. You've got to change your mind. If you go on a diet, you say, I'm going to go on a diet, I'm just not going to eat. Okay, so, so the next morning you get up, um, okay, I'm not going to eat. And so you've emptied the refrigerator of any food, and the house is empty of food, because that's something you can do. But you get to work, and they have donuts. Then what do you have to do? Eat. (laughs) Eat donuts. You have to decide, don't you? What are you going to do? You have to make a decision. There it is in front of you. You have to use your brain. Brothers and sisters in Christ, use your head. Jesus has planted His cross on your head. What He wants you to do is think every day. Make decisions based on your relationship with Him. How does that work in your head? Not just in your heart, but in your head. If Jesus calls you to love your enemies, are you going to love your enemies? Or aren't you? You've got to decide. You can't wait until the enemy comes and slaps you across the face. Because if you wait till then, you're going to slap them across the face. You have to decide in advance. If you want to love like Jesus loves, you have to decide in advance. Jesus says that loving means to give up your life for others. If you're willing to do that, then you, can, you have to decide to do that. If you wait and say, okay, I'll give up my life for others, and you get in that situation, it's not going to happen. Why do we train firefighters to go into the fire? Well, we train them because if you're not trained to go in the fire, when the fire comes, you stand there and look and say, Oh no! 
But if you're trained, you immediately jump into the fire because you know where you need to go, how you need to do it, and how to get out so that you can save yourself and others. You have to decide ahead of time. You have to make those decisions. If you really want to be able to understand what following Jesus is all about, you have to decide to accept His love into your life. Say, okay, Jesus, I accept what you've done for me on the cross. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You have to do that intellectually, not just with your heart. Intellectually, I believe that that truly happened. 2000, that's not a myth. That's not something somebody made up. That's exactly what happened. And when you died on the cross, you died for me. I believe that the Bible tells me. I have decided to believe what the Bible says. <coughs> and the Bible says that you died for me. And if I believe that in my head and believe that with my heart, then I can begin to accept your love. I believe that I have sinned and separated myself from you, but you have died for me so that I could be forgiven. And if I'm forgiven, then I have an opportunity to live for you. And I've decided to do that. We used to sing every Sunday in the Southern Baptist church I went to. <coughs> What's the last hymn we always sang? I have decided to follow Jesus. And you know what? I got so sick of that song. And we got to no turning back. And I'm like, let's turn back. And we'd sing it again. But it's a true, the words are true. I have decided. You see, sometimes we get caught up in the emotions of a moment and we make decisions based on the emotions of that moment. That's not necessarily bad as long as after the moment's over you can think it through and make the decision with your head. If you make the decision simply with the emotions, that emotion will change. People get married because they're in love. Hey, it's wonderful to be in love. But if you get married because you're in love and that's all, and you haven't decided to love that person, you're going to run into trouble. Because there's going to be times when that person is not the person you thought you married. But if you've decided to love them, it doesn't matter. You see? Because you've decided. I guess I've beat that enough. I just want you to hear that Jesus was crucified on that skull because He decided He loved you and loves you. And He's asking you to decide if you would follow Him, if you would love Him. And finally, boy, I'll tell you, this just isn't working today. Uh, Whatever. Finally, I want you to see that Jesus was crucified in the middle. Did you catch that? He was crucified in the middle. Uh, a thief, the, the other Gospels tell us, a thief on other side, either side. And it's interesting to me that uh, those who were on the outside, one decided to stay on the outside cursed Jesus, said, Hey, if you're really who you say you are, save yourself and us. What's your problem? 
He was willing to stay on the outside. He didn't understand that Jesus loved him more than anyone else in the entire world. He decided that if Jesus wasn't going to do it his way, then he wasn't going to follow Jesus at all. And surely, Jesus, if Jesus really loved him, then Jesus would do what he wanted him to do. Isn't that interesting? thief on the other side, on the other hand, looked at his predicament and realized that Jesus was innocent and was being crucified for no reason, seemingly no reason. And if that was the case, why would he allow himself to be crucified? Unless, of course, he is who he said he was. And that thief, in the pain of crucifixion, decided that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. And he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now that's an odd thing to say. The man he's proclaiming his king is hanging on a cross and dying. Isn't that kind of odd? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. I don't know if this thief had ever heard of Jesus before. My guess is he had, because he certainly has some understanding here. Jesus had said to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my disciples would rise up. And here, in this moment... This thief sees something special in Jesus, proclaims him his king, and says, Hey, when you come, when you come into your kingdom, the man's dying. When you come into your kingdom, remember me. Jesus turns and looks at him, and he says, Today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me forever. Here's a man hanging on a cross, about ready to die, about ready to take his last breath. And he cries out to Jesus who's in the middle. And Jesus says, i got good news for you. You put your trust in me. I will take you to be with my Father in heaven. I will take you to paradise. Jesus is right in the middle. He's in the middle of our mess. You see, no matter what mess, whether you find yourself being crucified, or whether you find yourself in the mess of relationships, Maybe you find yourself in the mess of addiction. Maybe you find yourself in the mess of of just confusion about what life really should be all about. Maybe you find yourself in the mess of a sin that you've gotten yourself into that you've been trying to figure a way to get yourself out. Maybe you're in the mess of guilt that you're you're not willing to let go of. Maybe you're in the mess uh, of just feeling spiritually isolated from God if there is a God. Whatever your mess is this morning, I want you to know that Jesus is right in the middle of your mess. The interesting thing about Jesus is when He walked this earth, He didn't walk in in places that were high and mighty, where He wasn't with people who were hurting, or people who needed help, or people who needed love. He, because He loves us, walks in the middle of our mess. The good news about that is, He's the only one who can do something about our mess. Our biggest mess is sin. We've messed up with God. Our relationship with God is a disaster. 
I don't care how good you are, at some point you have sinned. You've done something wrong. Don't tell me you haven't, because I'll talk to someone who knows you just a little bit. They'll share. We've all done something. I've done things wrong. And in the middle of that mess, Jesus came to reunite our relationship with God so that we could be forgiven and taken to heaven to live with Him forever. To have eternal life starting today. You could have that in your life today if you would turn your heart over to Him. If you would accept His love. If you would say, yes, Jesus, you're my King. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You could have that today. Jesus comes into the mess of our broken lives. Our broken relationships. He can come into the middle of it. Walk with you through it. Give you strength. Give you wisdom. Help you to make the right decisions. If you're willing to make Him king of your life. Jesus, be in the middle of the mess of your physical problems. And He can walk with you through that. He can get you to the other side. He might heal you. He might transform the way you think of life. But He's able to be in the middle of that because He loves you. He will walk all the way with you through it. Others will abandon you, but He won't. Jesus was crucified in the middle because He wants us to know that He's in the middle of our lives. If we let Him. Because He loves us, He gives us that choice. When we come to the cross, we're forced to make a choice. Are we going to accept His love for us? Or are we going to walk away? Which choice do you make? Would you come to the cross? Would you come to His love? Let's bow for a word of prayer. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You that You were willing to bear that cross. Thank You that in Your incredible love, You were willing to begin to transform the way we see the world that we might see it with love. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that You come into the middle of our lives. Teach us to love. Fill us with love. May others see Your love in us. We worship You this morning, our King. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.